Hey, yo! Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I want to say thank you to every single person that came out this weekend in Portland. Whether it was through the Multitude Meetup, the Potterless Live Show, the Horse Live Shows, all of the above, it was so great to see all of you, to meet all of you, to talk about Harry Potter, to take pictures, to laugh. It was a very fun time. I hope you all enjoyed all of the different events. I have had an absolute blast, and I do want to thank all of Listen Up Portland. Every single person involved was so incredibly nice and welcoming. It was such a fun experience for me, for Kelly, for all of Multitude, we were treated so well. Thank you all so much. And if anyone out there listening knows of a cool convention, a cool theater space, whatever it is, and you want me to come to your city, always feel free to email potterlesspodcast at gmail.com. I'm always happy to look into a bunch of different things and see what's out there, and maybe we can make it work. I want to give a Patreon update because I noticed something this weekend, and I'm very sorry about it. So when I switched the tiers from 15 to 10 for producer-level patron and 10 to 7 for sure, it's all that kind of stuff with going weekly, Patreon doesn't give me a notification if your amount doesn't change. So if you went from a 10 shirt tier before to the $10 producer tier now, I got no notice of that. So if you are that case, please send me an email or a message on Patreon so I know and I make sure that I add you to the producer list. A couple people pointed this out. Thank you so much. And speaking of those patrons, we have new patrons, so welcome to the team. So shout out to Aina Estenstad Haugen, Diana Paulo, Abby Horncastle, Sarah DeLeu, Katie Firth, Topher Williams, Izzy Watson, Maggie Laren, and Amy Ward. Shout out to Michaela Grace who upgraded her pledge, a pronunciation correction for Avachai Levy and Clara Apple. And a huge shout out to our newest producer level patrons, Jennifer Marklu, Friday J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Kerry D. Bagason, and Andrea Kroc. They join the ranks of Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Alex, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Jenna, Kieran, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Rosemary, Jill, Marie, Lisa, Ariel, Romina, Kamel, Anthony, Russell, Dustin, Katie, Audrey, Indiana, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Micah, Andrea, Nikita, Colette, Shrina, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Lovecash, Ali, Cassandra, Roxy, Amelia, Sean, Jeremiah, Sarah, Jesus, Ben, Zachary, Jessica, Arna, Brandy, Melody, Kristen, Zach, Elisa, Tiago, Daisy, Jessica, Orchid, Jonathan, Joe, Steve, Vivian, Samuel, Victoria, Takari, Darlene, Drake, James, Haley, Marino, Moster, Pinky, Hannah, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Peter, Maria, Phineas, Natalie, Victoria, Lee, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Cecily, Finn, Mosin, Grace, Sammy, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Heidi, Alexandra, John, Jen, Sefran, Dusty, Noel, Tao, Hala, Emily, Michael, Robin, Patricia, Will, Neil, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Vittorio, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Sina, Siljay, Desiree, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alicat, William, Holly, Veronica, Everly, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Lucinda, Carlos, Pam, Nikki, Shamil, Colleen, and can't I Potter? Who never forget their hotel key in their room, they always bring it with them. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content, discounts on the merch store, exclusive merchandise, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 65 of Potterless covering chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, guest starring Bayana Davis and Robin Ravenclaw of Wizard Team. So then we get into chapter 12, which does have a super ominous title, Magic is Might, which at first sounds kind of nice until you learn what that's from. But we'll get into that in a little bit. There are actually people who have that tattooed on their bodies. No. Like, Why? Why? That's some Nazi stuff. Do. Don't do and that. And they have, like, there are people that have the death mark. or the Dark mark. Like, yeah. And I don't understand it. Uh, They're like, I'm a super Slytherin. Be like, no, 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 no. You have to like have read the books to know that phrase and to know the death mark. Like you have to, uh-huh. have, or is it the death mark? Or the, the, dark mark. mark. the dark mark. Yeah, same You have thing. to have like read the books. Yeah. So then you know what that is. Uh-huh. And then you're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of having a swastika on you and being like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not racist. I promise. You're like, eh. I just really like the artwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I just like snakes. Like, eh. No, not quite. <laughs> That's a difference between having that tattooed on you versus like the Decepticons logo. Because sure, the Decepticons were the bad guys, but they were bad robots that turn into vehicles from this pretend planet. Like the Death Eaters are racist. You can't have that on you and be like, oh, I just like the bad guys from Harry Potter. You can't like them. Yeah, it's too close of a, like, parallel. Yes. It's not just a, like, I want to take over the world. It's like, no, I want to, like, murder lots of people and commit genocide. Yeah. Right. You know, you could make the argument that, and I found this out, that Pinky and the brain, like, the brain was a bad guy, was a villain. <laughs> uh, I mean. Someone told me that. I don't, I reject that hypothesis. I think that the brain just knew that the world needed to be taken over because it's run by idiots. Yeah, but the brain's not racist. Right. <laughs> just a misunderstood rat. Yeah. Who's got the right idea if we want to become. <laughs> Same with Carmen Sandiego, who apparently was the bad guy. I thought we were just trying to figure out where she was. Right. right. I thought we were just concerned of her location. She's an art connoisseur. It's like Waldo. Isn't it just Waldo? Right? <laughs> Like, 
San Diego is collecting art, giving it back to its native people. Mm-hmm. What she really is doing is like she's the 99% and <laughs> we should applaud her. She's like Killmonger before Killmonger started like trying to overthrow. Oh, like, oh God. You know, Killmonger was so close. He was so close to having it and right. So far, and yet and yet <laughs> and yet. I remember watching the movie, and at some points, I was like, "Oh, okay." And then he gets a little bit farther, and you're like, "Oh, don't do, don't Not do quite. that, Killmonger." Just all the weapons, though. You gonna send all the weapons? <laughs> all of them. All of them. All of them. Really? Like, reel it in a bit. I get it. Take it a step back. Like, <laughs> I want to support you, Michael B. Jordan, because you've really cool hair and you're wearing very nice outfits in this movie. But like, maybe reel it in a little. <laughs> Man, we have the saying on Wizard Team too because we talk about like Barty Crouch Jr. And, like, oh, don't even get me started. Uh. But he has such potential. <laughs> yeah. And yet he's a Nazi. Like, <laughs> only, the planning, the logistics. True. Making everybody think he's dead. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if he would have used those powers for good. The parallel that I have is that it's kind of like Regulus Black because clearly Regulus was super knowledgeable and had everything together if he got a Horcrux out from Voldemort and figured out all this stuff. Like, shout out to Regulus. That's what Barty Crouch should have been. Because you're right. If you just look at it on the objective facts of, like, what Barty Crouch did, he convinced everybody that he was moody. He was a very good method actor and took a whole lot of things into precaution. And also, like, taught the children. One of the best... Like, yeah, yeah, he's like their best defense against the dark arts. He's teacher. like, I'm still gonna do my job. Like, right? He's like, I, I'm playing the long game. Like, Moody would have done the job well. So, if I need to be a believable Moody, they need to pass their OWLs. Like, I get it. Think about uh, how many Newt students came up in that year, right? When Crouch was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. Anyway, chapter 12, magic is might. (laughs) So (laughs) the chapter opens in a strange manner. It gives us this brief perspective on what the muggle interaction with Grimald Place is. Basically, the whole point of it is to show that more and more wizards, assuming these are all Death Eaters, are creeping outside of the lot that is Grimald Place. And I think at one point they even allude to Snape and Pettigrew because they talk about like one tall wizard and one like short one almost going in. Is that who they were making the allusion to? I wasn't sure. Uh I don't think I read it as Snape, but now I always Yeah, I'm trying to find the exact quote of it because it says it was something where I was like, this seems like it might be, but they didn't really say it outright. She loves the mystery. Have you read her mystery book? I read the first one and it was very good. Okay, so J.K. Rowling is a mystery writer, not a fantasy writer. And yeah, like, totally. Everything makes much more sense. She also was really good at horror and gore. Oh, yeah. Horror I mean, the first well. two books are just episodes of Scooby-Doo. Yes. They totally are. It's the first person you meet. There's a big red herring I the mean, the time. three books, let's be honest. Yeah. The end of the third book is like literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The end of the third book is literally, I would have got away with it if it wasn't for these dumb kids and their meddling dog. You're yeah. meddling, meddling kids, kids and your and stupid your dog. dog too. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. The man with the twisted face pointed and his closest companion, a podgy pallid man, started forward. But a moment later, they relaxed into their previous state of inactivity, looking frustrated and disappointed. The twisted face is Dolahog. Oh, okay. No, I also just like happened to have a steel trap of a mind and order of the phoenix is my favorite book okay so nice. i've read it the most yeah so there's that moment where in the department of mysteries where like his mask gets taken off oh. and i think there's a couple moments where his face is described yeah, yeah, yeah. in that one yeah but i don't know about the other one i just googled podgy and pallid podgy means chubby like pudgy mm. and pallid means pale so that doesn't necessarily have i don't know if that's really anyone that we know i always read that that was um it still could be pedigree wormtail because wormtail is literally like the errand boy sure they'll send him along to help someone who like actually can do things yeah. yes which is totally. why like he's like basically snape's butler now he's like a step above a house elf which let's be honest is a step below because house elves can do all sorts of stuff but also homeboy turned on his best friends and then spent 14 years as a rat to be treated like this yeah so this is a life lesson for everyone who thinks mm-hmm. like i'm gonna bet on the bad guy don't yeah don't do it mm-hmm don't do it. The narrator then gets to Harry and Harry has bad news to bring to the squad. And what is this bad news? It's that Snape is the new headmaster of Hogwarts, which is not okay because I wanted to have a year of headmaster McGonagall. And that has been taken away from us. Mm -hmm. What 
happened. Voldemort. I guess it's the whole Voldemort minister thing. But if you have if you have someone that is the deputy headmistress and then becomes the headmistress, what kind of justification do you have to put Snape in front? They never really get into it, but it made me so upset. I wanted racism. headmistress. <laughs> uh, I wanted headmistress McGonagall. Mike, what goes hand in hand with racism? Uh, stuff that doesn't make sense. Sexism. Oh, okay, yeah, oh. that too. <laughs> also, and stuff that doesn't make sense. Also, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, which, which <laughs> sexism falls yeah. under. <laughs> and then when you talk about the wizarding world, they never do anything that makes sense, Nothing even when they're not sense. being racist or sexist. So then it's like yeah. on top yeah. of that, <laughs> it's a code. It's a wizarding world code, which is: Does this decision make sense? Then let's do the other one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Occam's razor. <laughs> so there's a prophet article that relates this, and it also notes that Amicus, brother of Electo Caro, who resigned Ooh. from the Muggle Studies job, is taking over her post. Isn't Amicus a Death Eater? Yeah, mm-hmm. like a confirmed one, and mm-hmm. he's just teaching at the school now, and he's teaching Muggle relations. Yep. Uh, it seems it seems a little bit weird if you have I don't know David Duke teaching you African studies. Like Not I don't if you're think. Voldemort. Uh, uh, it makes perfect sense. Oh my goodness. Well, because again, right, like they're making Hogwarts mandatory for all these kids. So it's like the prime place to like brainwash them into also yep. being mini Death Eaters. <sighs> Man. Yeah, I want to see what his Muggle Studies syllabus is. Like, what's he going to be teaching? I mean, it's some Thomas Jefferson ass shit. Like, uh, based on my observations that I did not, <laughs> you know, get peer reviewed or anything, Muggles are like this. Uh, <laughs> That's what gross. it is. Uh, so Hermione is absolutely flabbergasted. She is very upset. She even says Merlin's pants at one point. <laughs> and I'm only used to Merlin's beard. But thankfully, Ron points this out. and He goes, Merlin's pants? She must be upset. So <laughs> Harry thinks that the only reason that the other teachers have to be staying is to avoid getting sentenced to a term in Azkaban or to try and protect the remaining students at the school. So I'm glad that they've still got some good eggs there, and hopefully they can stand up to the Death Eaters, much like they stood up to stuff that Umbridge did, etc. Hermione then really quickly runs upstairs, comes back down, and Ron asks, what in the name of Merlin's most baggy Y-fronts was that about? <laughs> Which, fun fact, you can call pants Y-fronts. I never knew that until like reading this book, but it's, it's like one of my favorite Ron Ron is killing it in the seventh book. It's funny that I think the fifth book is like the true comeuppance of Fred specifically, but Fred and George. The sixth book is the true comeuppance of Ginny Weasley. And Ron has been killing it in the seventh book. So each book is just a new Weasley gets better. So Ron has been hitting some good ones in this one. So she comes back down with a painting that she throws into her magic bag that can fit stuff that's bigger than it actually is. And she says it was Phineas Nigellus. And that is so smart. I never would have thought of this, but that's absolutely absolutely brilliant. It's like, yo, Snape could totally spy on us if you don't get rid of this painting. The one hope that I really have, because I love Phineas Nigelis, he's the best, like, stay off my lawn, but in a good way, like, cranky old grandpa. No, 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 no. (laughs) Phineas Nigelis is a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race Wizarding Edition. (gasps) He's a shade. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love it. The library is open. (laughs) Phineas will redo the house down. (laughs) It's so good. That is really good. But yeah, I hope that this means he joins them later on their journey. Like Hermione forgets to take it out of the bag when they leave. And then at some point when they're trying to destroy the Horcruxes, Phineas is like, ah, this will never work, you damn idiots. Like, I really (laughs) hope that we get some Phineas later. I don't know if we do, but I'm hopeful. Harry then reveals that he spent the entire day outside the ministry looking for Umbridge but didn't see her. And the narrator further reveals that the squad has been planning to sneak into the ministry. And Harry thinks that they should do it tomorrow, which surprises Ron and Hermione. They don't think that they're necessarily ready, but Harry thinks, look, we got to act now before Umbridge chucks the locket because she realizes she can't open it, so it might be trash. And then Ron says, well, maybe she already found a way to open it and she's possessed. And Harry says, well, she's already so evil that it probably wouldn't make much of a difference, which I love so good. They know a bunch of things because for the past four weeks, they have been doing rotating shifts, staying outside the ministry, formulating this plan. They know that apparition into the office is banned. There is a flu network, but only for senior people. And they also know that Umbridge is on the first level of the ministry. So basically, they're devising this whole plan to sneak into the ministry, get with Umbridge, take the locket, and eventually try to destroy it. Yeah. So I want to also point out, and this is like a thing that we talked about a lot in Order of the Phoenix when we were on that book, is Mm -hmm. how much more efficient Voldemort is with the um, security measures at 
the Ministry of Magic. Right? That is the one thing he's he better like, at. <laughs> he stopped them from being able to apparate into the into the ministry they i think that at one point they mentioned like not being able to flew in from their house which is like mm-hmm. inconvenient but like safety wise is probably smart yeah they have to have tokens which means they have some kind of form of identification like all these things they just didn't have before and now right? that they have it they're like this is the worst thing of having voldemort <laughs> run the ministry is that we actually yeah. have a secure government building oh it's kind of like how the one good thing the nazis did is like german trains were like on track and really good it's like there's the one tiny little like thing that they do good the fascists are pretty good at logistics yeah i yeah i I mean they want to make their hate as efficient as possible we don't want to cross that bridge yeah the one thing that i do want to point out is like the only security measure that the ministry had before is that with t9 word you just wrote magic on that phone booth and like the password is magic like come on the password is magic well, i mean if you're really a muggle, uh, you wouldn't guess that oh i a thousand percent would but yeah i guess if you're a muggle that has no idea but also let's talk about the fact that you hit magic and then you state your name and you get a thing. So when they came and Order of the Phoenix, it said Harry Potter rescue mission. Yeah, but there was also like no one that checked him after. He got the badge, but I then mean, nobody the checked visitor anything. Entrance, but the visitor entrance should have been locked. Like, why was it not locked <laughs> it after hours? They just uh, let people in. Yep. It yep, just, yep, yep. So many problems. And they wonder why there's so many break-ins. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't, so dumb. I don't get it. Uh, but so anyway, the squad is then arguing about who should and shouldn't go on this mission. Ron says Hermione shouldn't go because she's on the list of muggle-borns who didn't interview. Hermione says Ron shouldn't go because he's supposed to be dying of spattergroit, and that Harry shouldn't go because he's got a 10,000 galleon piece on his head, and Harry hits him with a great quote where he says, fine, I'll stay here. Let me know if you ever defeat Voldemort, won't you? Which is great. So they all <laughs> laugh and breaks the tension. Also, like, if Hermione doesn't go, you all die. Yes, right? Oh my so goodness. It should not even all, be a why question. Why is that even on the table? <laughs> and honestly, if Harry says away and Hermione did it on herself and probably get done faster. Right. Really? It probably would have been totally fine. Yeah. So Harry's scar then hurts again and he rushes to the bathroom and we get the weird Voldemort flashback flash present, whatever it is, thing that's going on. And he is asking a German woman for Grigorovich. And she says that he doesn't live here anymore and she doesn't know him. And then Voldemort, for no good reason, kills her in front of her two children, which is very unnecessary. But I guess that's how Voldemort rolls. That's how he rolls. Yeah. Hermione knocks on the door, snapping him out of it. And Harry tries to play it off. And Hermione says, come on, you were yelling like crazy. We saw you feel for your scar. We know what's up. So Harry then says what actually was going down, says the whole Grigorovich thing, blah, blah, blah. You know what I just realized is that at this moment, when it's just the trio, Hermione could be teaching him Occlumency. <sighs> Probably. I mean, Harry still wouldn't do the work. No, no. he wouldn't. He's, he's so stubborn. He's pretty much given up at this point. Like when she says like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. He's like, well, you know, I suck at that anyway. Which yep. is like, but you could have been practicing. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah, totally. Totally. But that's basically what he says is, is she tries to say you should be doing occlumency. He says, oh, I'm bad at it. I'm just going to use this against Voldemort. And then Hermione asks, do you like this connection or something? Which is how serious. It was nice talking to you. you (laughs) It's called a sad nap. Cannot go Uh, on. Yeah, (laughs) it's not good. This strategy has not worked before, Harry. So then he says that, no, he wants to use it against him. He doesn't like this connection. I just want to know why he's after Grigorovich. And then he has to explain the whole Grigorovich thing to them. Harry's hypothesis that Voldemort either thinks Grigorovich is better than Ollivander or that he knows more than Ollivander did about Harry's wand thing because Ollivander didn't know anything about it. Hermione still thinks that this wand thing was Harry. Harry still thinks that it was the wand and an out-of-body experience, so to speak. I have no idea what the hell this is, but Ron says, just drop it because they're both being very stubborn about it. Well, this isn't a spoiler. It's Priori and Cantatum from Goblet of Fire. So you know at the end when their wand's connected? It's something to do with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing is we do know that it's something about the two wands. And then Voldemort tried to use the other wand, but then Harry still did some sort of like weird spark thing that he didn't control. So now Voldemort is trying to figure out why that didn't work. Mm -hmm. So that's why he's going to Grigorovich. We move on and Creature, this whole chapter and a little bit in the previous one, has just been killing 
run the game. Like the place is clean as hell. It's perfect. He's making them amazing food. He's making them stew and treacle tart, which I now know is a British dessert and not a magic thing, which I used to think it was because uh, <laughs> I do not watch enough British Bake Off. I do not watch enough. I did watch a couple episodes with my sister when I was in Dallas for LeakyCon and I felt very on brand. They made some very impressive Paul desserts. Hollywood. So they, they then go to bed after reciting the plan a bunch and the next morning they get ready with all of their supplies and they say goodbye to Creature who promises to have steak and kidney pie ready for them waiting when they get home. I mean, Creature just needed to feel appreciated. Right, yeah. And like he was a valuable member of the house. That's all he needs. Not like he's just being oppressed. And, and also just like let him keep his stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, you do your thing over here. We gonna do it over here. And that's how right. we're just gonna coexist. <laughs> just let me have my stuff. Let me do me. Exactly. <laughs> Creature, as long as you dust, then you can keep whatever you want to keep. It just has to be neat. Yeah. Is what my mom used to scream at me all the time. You could have every single babysitter's club book. They just <gasps> can't be all over the so floor. <laughs> so Ron then says, bless him. And to think I used to fantasize about cutting off his head and sticking it to the wall, which is so Thanks. good. So good. But also Creature used to fantasize about that as well. So Of course. It's a mutual desire that they now yeah. no longer have for each other. <laughs> Hopefully Creature no longer has that. Right. Because Creature had it for himself though. Like for oh, him personally. Right. He did have it I don't know himself. about his thing about Ron. Creature still is in the mentality of having his head. Yep. To be with the rest. Stuck to the wall is his highest mm-hmm. achievement. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, Hermione disapparates them one by one to the ministry. They get into position and they stun a witch who they learn to be named Mafalda Hopkirk. I'm writing down all of these names for my future career as someone that dominates Harry Potter wizard trivia because these are the kind of questions that they will ask. I well, know. Also, so if you want to go even further, Mafalda Hopkirk, so she's in the improper use of, mis- of magic office or whatever, mm-hmm. when Dobby does the magic in Chamber of Secrets <gasps> and then when Harry gets oh, is it her? It's her. Oh! She's the one who wrote the letter. Nice! Okay, when I get this question right in a Harry Potter thing, I will send both of you personalized Twitter messages saying, thank you so much, you helped me win free beer. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter trivia, you have to be very careful which ones you go to because Sirius Black gave Harry his first wand. No, not wand. I mean, broom. Yeah. Broom. I will die on that hill. I will fight that quiz master. Oh, some people think it's McGonagall? Yeah. He was like, well... It could not like when it happened, in, and I was like, "It don't That's matter." That's not how it works. Either way, because <laughs> McGonagall didn't give him no. the broom. Seriously, McGonagall didn't. just facilitated that. Yeah, that would be like saying you got something from the mailman, and then being like, "Oh, the mailman gave me this great gift." Be like, no, he didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> the mailman passed you a package that you ordered. Right. Sirius bought him his toddler broom, uh-huh. and Sirius bought him his other broom. Serious black. Well, yeah, that's even the thing. Name. If if the question was just first broom, you got to go to the toddler broom, which we learned about two chapters right, ago, yeah. which I've already discussed at length at how scary and terrifying that is. But that, we don't do that's a whole nother rant for another time. To have time. a child just running around on a broom. Y'all give Yo. children tricycles and all other children. Uh, but children. this is before he go on. Uh, anyway, we're going to be talking for hours if we do this. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they, uh, I'm just saying, I'm just saying beast. Side-eye your quiz masters. <laughs> I will. I'll keep them in check. So they stun this witch, and Hermione takes her hair, adds it to Polyjuice Potion, then takes her glasses, assumes her identity. So Ron goes through a purse so that they can find out what her name is, and they get her token. And after transforming, they get in position for the next guy who shows up. And when he does, Hermione gives him a puking pastille and yanks some hair out of his head and tries to convince him that he shouldn't go to work, but he should go to St. Mungo's instead. And he is very adamant about going to work. We find out why later. But finally, he agrees because he's just vomiting everywhere. So he disapparates, leaving only behind a bag that Ron snagged from him while he was under the invisibility cloak. Uh, Ron then polyjuices to become this guy whose name is Reg Catermole, which, whew, quite the name. I think it's Reg. Or at least that's how they say it later. Oh, Reg. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Like short for Reggie. Yeah, that'd make a lot more sense than Reg. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ron and Hermione then leave Harry behind for about 10 minutes, and then they come back with the hairs of someone else. And they basically say, we don't know who this is, but we got you some hair. And <laughs> they use nosebleeding nougat to get him gone. So Harry polyjuices to this. They're now all under disguise. Harry's dude is super tall, so they have to use some other robes that they brought. So that makes this whole thing a bit more interesting is that the way they describe it, Harry's basically like Abe Lincoln. Like he's got a big beard and he's really tall. So that's what I was picturing in my mind. I think too, it's really funny because this is a very 17 year old prank and that's why it works. Mm -hmm. We talked about like the ministry has put in a lot better like protections and and security, but like 
they're not thinking like, oh, you know what, what, like, what's going to work? <laughs> Puking pastels and polyjuice potion. People are definitely going to try that. Like, it's a Fred and George. It's so stupid that it's genius. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like how Voldemort didn't think that a house elf would be able to do stuff yeah. or a teenager. So it's something that, yeah, the plan is so dumb that it's brilliant. Right, it right. comes back around. Like, no one will be this stupid. It's like, no, we are this stupid. We got you. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> so in order to get into the ministry, they have to go into a pretend bathroom and they have to step into a toilet and then flush. It's very, mm-hmm. very intricate. And I got to say, like, props. Like, this is some good security measures. I mean, and this is Voldemort. Right? Again, mm-hmm. these are things. He's good at his job. He said, y'all belong in the toilet anyway, so <laughs> you might as well use it to get to work. <laughs> so when they're inside the bathroom, Someone makes a joke to Reg, and they're like, oh, Reg, I hate that they're making us do this whole bathroom thing. Who do they think's going to try to sneak in? Harry Potter? And then they have to be like, ha ha, yes, who would do that? (laughs) (laughs) So they step into the toilet, and it doesn't make them wet, so they know that this is right. They flush it, they go through, and they get into the lobby of the ministry, and oh boy, the new statue, not great. Uh, First off, it's made of black stone, which very different than the gold statue of before and it's just a witch and a wizard sitting on thrones with the words magic is might written underneath and this is just some awful racist stuff it's super racist but i also have a question about this because i mean and i guess like reparo is a thing but they like demolished the last one Mm -hmm. the like fountain of magical brethren i want to say it's called like i don't know whether magic can put that yeah they brought the statue to life and then they got destroyed right and so now i'm like so how long has this like new thing been in construction was there like something else and then they took it out or well i feel like magical (laughs) sculpt is a quicker process. Yeah, but I think the question is, what did they have in between that statue getting destroyed and Voldemort being in charge? But also, if you go to the studio tour, Mm -hmm. it is impressive. It's scary. It's scary. But also, I was like, I mean, they got me kind of believing magic is might. Like, (laughs) very, it's very, like, awe-inspiring. Not... Is yeah, that uh, right? I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to say true. the only word I can think of is humbling, but it's not. It's like right. Yeah. Uh, it's breathtaking, but not necessarily in a good way. Yes. Yes. yes like it's yes, impressive, yes, yes, yes. but it's impressive not, and yeah. breathtaking, and you're like, wow. It's powerful, but the bad the kind bad of power. Kind of, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so this is already bad, and I thought it was horrible. But then Harry gets bumped into. The person apologizes to him and says, Runcorn. So we know that Harry at least knows his identity. His last name is Runcorn. But he gets closer to the statue, and he realizes that the thrones that the witch and the wizard are sitting upon are made up of hundred tiny, naked muggles with distorted-looking faces, which I was already on Team the Statue's Garbage, and now it's like, oh, oh, it, it got way worse. It's the Iron uh, Throne of the Magical World. Oh, terrible, mm-hmm. terrible, terrible. Uh, uh, it made me so uncomfortable. But worse, though, because yes. it's like people and not swords. Yeah, yes. and it's like to put the muggles in their place. Like, it's fine oh. if it was swords. No, because cool. all of every single one of those swords represents a person that got got. That is true, but it's not like actual humans. It's true. not made of bones. Yeah. Like, it could be worse. It It could be be worse. worse. (laughs) They could have taken the femur from everybody that they killed. Right, and been like, ooh, Ooh, look at this. The marrow throne or some shit. Oh, gross. gross. The bone throne. That's awful. So so Yaxley then comes in and he yells, Cattermole, which is Ron. He's very upset. He says that it is raining in his office and that he needs someone to fix it. Someone from the magical maintenance department, which... Cattermole is from. Yaxley then tells Ron that he's on his way to interrogate his wife and wonders why he isn't already there holding her hand. So this explains why that dude was so adamant about trying to get to work. And this is terrifying. Also, I want to shout out magical maintenance, like not Reg, maybe he's a part of this. I don't know. But there's a part in Order of the Phoenix where when Harry first goes to the Ministry of Magic and Arthur says that they get to decide what the weather is. And so, like, when they want to raise, then yeah. they it's, like, storming outside. So it's, like, maybe this is their, like, mini rebellion where they, like, make oh, it storm yeah. in all the, like, <gasps> Death Eaters offices. I like it. Yeah. This is my headcanon that the Magical Maintenance Department is, like, the resistance. Yeah. <laughs> they just started like, it. There's not much we can do. I still need this job. But, like, you know, let's make sure all... Of Yaxley can't get any work done because his office is raining. I like it. This is a good theory. <laughs> so Yaxley then basically threatens him, blackmailing him. Yaxley's the fucking worst. I can ooh, I can do that right. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been cursing a lot. We've got the red E <laughs> you for have, explicit. You haven't gone. I don't think you dropped an F-bomb like that. Oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> it's good. We're all good. But to any child listening, don't curse. It's bad. It's a bad habit. I just grew up in an Italian part of New Jersey where we curse a lot, and I don't support it. <laughs> I'm trying to be a better role model. <laughs> but don't be a yak fleet either, children. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the big worse. key. That's the real lesson. That's way worse. Cursing is a lot better than being racist. So definitely, <laughs> if you have to choose one, choose drop an F-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> So he actually basically blackmails him, saying that if Cattermole doesn't fix this rain thing, he'll botch the interrogation. So the squad gets into an elevator, and another wizard starts talking to Harry and says, Albert. So we know that Harry's identity's name is Albert Runcorn, which, uh, get what a name. So the elevator starts going, and the squad decides that Ron should go to Yaxley's office and try to figure out that situation, because otherwise it would blow their cover. So Ron gets out on the second floor. Harry and Hermione get down to the first floor, and when the elevator door opens, there are four people there. Two of them are in deep conversation. One is wearing fancy robes, and the last one is Umbridge, and that's the end of this chapter, and that's also the end of this episode of Potterless, but like, blah, cliffhanger, <laughs> like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? <laughs> it's so funny because when I was reading it, I was like, this in my head for some reason, this chapter and then I guess chapter 13, like in my head, they were one they chapter. Yes. So I was like, oh, that's it? I think that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. The, what's really funny too is because the way that we do it, we do our podcast similar is like it just, the chapter ends and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you're reading it the first time, like you don't breathe. You're just like, Oh, you just go. Next, yeah. You're just going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like, Every time that happens, I'm like, oh, she's mean. But then I realized I just flipped the page. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I wanted to, when I finished that, I got to that page. I turned it. I was like, oh, no, that's it. And I had already had scheduled these chapters with you. But the next chapter is 42 pages long. Yeah, so, like, yeah. we couldn't, oh, yeah, we'll also do chapter 13. But like, no, we'd be here for five <laughs> hours. <laughs> it's yeah. not okay. So it's unfortunate that we're ending on this cliffhanger. But. It is where we're at, and I'm very excited because I don't read ahead, so I have not read the next chapter. So once we hang up this Skype call, I'm reading because I I got to know what happens. (laughs) So thank you two so much for joining this episode of Potterless. I think you were both wonderful. Do you want to talk about Wizard Team uh, a little bit just to kind of let the listeners know the the stuff that you do? Yeah. Yeah. So Bayana and I are uh, two cousins who came together over our love of Harry Potter. We are actually like kind of polar not polar we're the same person but different i grew up in southern california she grew up in northern california and then i'm eight years older than her but one day we were talking and i was like oh you like potter and she was like oh you like potter and then i was like oh we like potter (laughs) and then we've been having these same conversations ever since for like decades now a decade a decade yeah she's yeah (laughs) i was like she's not old enough for decades So Wizard Team is us basically having the same conversations that we've been having, where we read chapter by chapter, spoiler heavy, with all of the knowledge that we know about the world. So we talk about extended canon, we talk about fandom uh, theories, we talk about it all, and also through our lens as Black girls in America in 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's what we do. Wizard Team is kind of, it's housed under our website, Black Girls Create, which um, we have a blog, we have other podcasts, we do features of Black women creators so we're kind of like a space for black nerds and creators we have a fandom project called hogwarts bsu where we ask black potterheads to write themselves into the world explicitly yeah so we do a lot of things but a lot of it is just about our love of fandom and our love of like creating things for black women but like people of color in general to like see themselves in media pop culture and all that kind of stuff and we subscribe to critical fandom which means that we really 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 love these things and we will talk about them until we're blue in the face, but that doesn't mean that we cannot see the faults and the holes, and that doesn't mean that we don't want these things to get better. A hundred percent. That's exactly what I do with Potterless. It's a critical fandom thing. It's because you love it so much is why you're critical. Mm -hmm. If I didn't think the things were good and have potential and all this other stuff, I wouldn't bother talking about it. I'd just be like, ah, screw that. But no, it's because you love it so much, you want to be able to be critical about it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so we do everything under Black Girls Create with that kind of critical fandom lens of these things are awesome, but let's make them better. Yeah. Or how could they have been better? Yeah. That's great. And you also have an amazing Twitter handle, which is at We Black and Nerds, which is phenomenal. Yep. Great <laughs> branding there. That was Shout all out. <laughs> it was. It's based off of a song, you know, like I'm Black and I'm Proud. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking of that, like Black and We're Nerds. I like it. It's good. It's very good. Young, nerdy, and Black. 
or not that young. <laughs> yes, you should check out Wizard Team because it's basically the opposite of Potterless where it's got all spoilers and it's hosted by two black women as opposed to <laughs> one white guy and no spoilers. <laughs> so our powers combined were the yin and the yang of the Harry Potter podcasting world. <laughs> so thank you both so much, Robin and Bayana, for joining. Listeners, thank you for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they uh, eat their steak and kidney pie from Creature, wizard on. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Hey, how's it going? It's editing, Mike. So the episode's not going to end right here. I would feel awful doing that. That is far too short of an episode. I do have something very special planned for the second half of this episode. But first, we've got to take a little break because it's time for Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. Recently, we've been talking a lot about fire whiskey, and unfortunately, it's just not something that exists in the muggle world. However, there is still wizardry associated with alcohol, and that wizardry is Shaker and Spoon. Bear with me. Shaker and Spoon can take a vile substance, such as gin, a demonic drink that could never be consumed on its own. They can provide ways to make this actually taste good. Shaker and Spoon is an incredible service. They send you a box of all fancy mix-ins, syrups, citruses, real fruit, whatever it may be, they will send you ingredients to make three different drinks and four servings of each. It's fantastic. You can get them on a monthly basis. You can get them whenever you're having a party. You can have them just as an excuse to learn more about alcohol and different ways that you might like that alcohol. And if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash potterless, you can get $20 off your first box. The boxes only cost between $40 and $50. So you're getting about 50% off a box of very fancy things that can teach you how to make very fancy drinks and look like a very fancy person in the future. And hey, all this stuff tastes so great. All you got to do is provide the alcohol. They provide the ingredients and the instructions to turn you into a sommelier of whatever liquor you are consuming. Again, go to shakerandspoon.com slash potterless to get $20 off your first box and learn the wizardry of turning alcohol into tasty drinks today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash Right there. Wow. Anyways, that's a real club.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild auction card. Send off a $40 slab pack for a more transparent way. That's a real sports nerd slash Pokemon nerd. For all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Oh, when Guardian Adridos.
Mendoza. What a segment. Gosh, anyone who doesn't listen to those is really missing out and must hate me. There's some room to add something fun to the end of this episode of Padros, and I thought a worthwhile use of this time was to get some listener engagement. So I went to Patreon, I asked my patrons, what questions would you like me to answer on Monday's episode of Padros? And they delivered with some bangers. So I will be answering those for the remainder of this episode. Before I get into any of those questions, I will first answer the number one question that I get asked everywhere, and that is, what are you going to do after you finish the books? Let me lay it all out here so that everyone can be aware of what's going down. I'm going to finish the books and then do all of the movies. After I do all the movies, I'm going to do the J.K. Rowling official spinoff things, the ones that she wrote, anything that she actually had a say in. So the Hogwarts Library books, the Fantastic Beast things, the Cursed Child, anything that J.K. Rowling officially contributed to, I will cover. Then I will cover anything big that is fan-made but very popular. So a Harry Potter musical, Harry Potter puppet pals, puffs, all those sorts of things. Once that is done, I will do anything that's got a Harry Potter logo slapped on it in an official nature. So we're talking the Harry Potter video games, the Harry Potter Lego video games, the various Harry Potter board games that exist, anything that is officially licensed as a Harry Potter product that I can talk about with someone will be an episode of Potterless. I also have promised and will deliver on this promise to get listeners involved in Potterless. So once a month, I am going to do an episode where I discuss fan theory and funny little tidbits that listeners have noticed. And the way that I'm going to do that is through a voicemail service. I'm going to set up a voicemail for Potterless where you, the lovely Potterless listeners, can call in and say anything that you would like me to touch on. It can be a question. It can be something that I missed in the books, whether it's a plot hole such as Hermione saying that she was uncomfortable doing a memory charm to the Death Eaters, but then she did one to her parents like a couple chapters ago, things that I didn't point out right away, or fan theories like I know there is a fan theory about Ron being a seer without knowing it, or there's also one I'm pretty sure where it's like Ron is a time-traveling Dumbledore, or Dumbledore is Fox? All those sorts of fan theories. I would love for you all to call in and talk about those, and then I will have some sort of guest to bounce these back and forth with. I'll do those on a monthly basis. So that is the plan for the future of Potterless, and then we'll just see where this road takes me. So that's the question I know that's most on everyone's mind. Let's get into the Patreon questions that the patrons sent in. Sean Stewart asks, what is one aspect of your life you would want to make easier with magic? If anyone listening knows me as a human being in real life, in person, you know that I am criminally late to everything. Everything that I do, I am running late to. I am not great at time management with any aspect of my life. So... I would love to be able to apparate and disapparate so that I could save on all of the commute time so I can take a lot of time picking out my outfit or trying to cook something when I don't have enough time to cook something. Apparition would be crucial for me. Samantha Rose asks, if Wizard Mike could have one signature item like a pink umbrella or a lime green bowler, what would it be? I would like to have a really cool jacket that could metamorph Magus like Tonks does to perfectly match my outfit. I feel like that's the problem with getting a really nice jacket is that you're really committing to whatever color it is, which I think lends people to get more safe colors of jackets, and me included. I have a black peacoat and a navy blue sweater that I like to wear. I would love to have some sort of jacket, even if it kept the same shape, but just changed its color and or material to match the rest of my outfit, that would be cool. So maybe to make it a signature item, it should keep the same shape, but the colors and patterns just perfectly match whatever else I'm wearing. Ella asks, what are my predictions for the rest of Deathly Hallows? What is the last Horcrux? Where is it? Who do you think dies? How do you think it ends, etc.? So at the time of recording, I am ahead of where this episode came out. I just finished reading chapter 29, which is when Harry, Ron, and Hermione go through the tunnel. They see Neville and all the kids in Hogwarts, and they set out to try to find the remaining Horcrux that they know is somewhere in Hogwarts. So I can't really predict where the Horcrux is. You'll have to see if I got this prediction right by listening to Potterless. So I feel like the Horcruxes are kind of all set out. I do think that it's going to be Ravenclaw's diadem. As far as the other predictions, I would say in terms of deaths, I know that Ginny lives, I know that Ron and Hermione lives, and I don't know about anyone else. I still think that a twin is going to die. I really thought one of the twins was going to die in The Fallen Warrior. 
And I said this in the episode, I want to clarify. I don't think that twins are expendable. I just think that Fred and George are so similar and you can't like, tell me one thing that separates Fred and George, aside from the fact that George doesn't have an ear anymore and Fred tells better jokes. Like what makes the two of them different? Like, I don't think that there's that many different things set about them. So I think killing a twin is a nice way for JK Rowling to raise the stakes, so to speak, but not that much because then one is still left. And since George already doesn't have an ear, I think Fred's going to die and I'm not going to be okay with it because I like Fred a lot. He's a lot better than George purely just by the jokes, but still that makes me like Fred more. So I'm afraid Fred is going to die. I could see some other order members dying too. I could see Lupin dying, but I don't want him to. I also, uh, it's really hard. I could see a professor or two dying. It's really hard because I just don't know what the war is going to be like. I don't know if it's going to be a free-for-all like it was in the ministry. I don't know if they're dual. Like, I don't know exactly what is going to happen. But yeah, I feel like some perfect, like maybe a sprout or a hooch dies. I don't want McGonagall to die. I don't even want to say it. As far as other predictions, though, I think Malfoy is going to have some sort of slight redemption arc, maybe, just because they've been hinting at it throughout the seventh book where he was uncomfortable with all of the stuff in the end of the sixth book, obviously, and he seems very disinterested and not necessarily anti-Death Eater, but at least just neutral on the Death Eaters. He's not pro-Death Eater anymore, given what we've seen in some of the chapters that I've read. So I could see him doing something. Also, Peter Pettigrew didn't really have a redemption arc. He had a redemption moment. So I feel like there needs to be someone that has some sort of redemption, and I could see that being Malfoy. As far as the duel, I think that it's going to come down to some sort of situation like it is in the Goblet of Fire, where Harry and Voldemort are going to square off, and Voldemort is basically going to be like, leave him for me, and the two of them are just going to fight, and Harry's going to be able to take him down. I know that Harry lives, so sorry. I'm pretty sure he's going to kill Voldemort. I also don't think these books would end in Voldemort winning. I don't know. It's it's really hard to predict what's going to happen. I don't even know how they're going to destroy the other Horcruxes. I would predict that they do so, but I do not know how they're going to do so. I think that Harry is somehow going to find out whatever that gold spark out of his wand is, and maybe that is how he can destroy the other Horcruxes. Because the one thing that hasn't been touched upon is how Dumbledore destroyed the ring. And we know he had the burnt hand, which makes me think that it's some sort of fire, some sort of powerful magical spell that can just incinerate the ring. So I could see that spell being the same or similar to whatever happened with Harry's golden flames in the early part of Deathly Hallows. So maybe he finds a way to master this and then can do that on the cup and what I'm assuming will be the diadem. But then he also has to kill Nagini. Fuck. I'm on chapter 30 right now. There's six chapters left. He has a lot of Horcruxes to kill. How is he going to do this? This is going to be tough. I like that it's hard for me to predict. I just don't know. The other thing with Seven is I feel like so few things happen in the beginning and now everything's happening in these last 100 pages that it's hard to predict. So I know I didn't do a whole lot, but that is my predictions. I feel like the only thing I'm really digging my feet in the sand in here is that Fred's going to die and I'm not... I'm not okay with it. I'm really not. I'm not. I'm also not convinced that Moody is dead yet. I think that dude could still be out there. Them making a big deal about not finding the body makes me think that guy might still be alive. So that would be my like home run situation. It's like Moody's going to come back. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm not convinced he's dead. Samantha Rose also asks, what is your favorite aspect of attending conventions? Meeting fans, sitting on panels, meeting other podcasters, etc. There are so many incredible aspects of conventions, and meeting my peers in the podcasting world is great, and being on the panels and being able to share my knowledge and my experiences and try to help fellow podcasters is also great. But... It definitely comes down to meeting the fans and the people who listen to Potterless. I also feel weird calling it fans. I always try to say this on social media, but you, you're all my friends. I made a thing and you listen to my thing. You're my friend. True friends do that. So I feel strange saying fans. But meeting the people who listen to Potterless is just so strange in the best way. It is so incredibly humbling and makes me so thankful just because when it comes to making anything in general, 
there's just the intrinsic joy you get out of making something and being proud of it, no matter what it is. And the next step above that is just people enjoying whatever you've made. And then the next step above that is just people enjoying it so much that they go out of their way to do things that are not just consuming. So it's one thing if everyone just listened to Potterless. It's another thing when people reach out on social media or support on Patreon or buy merchandise or show up to live shows. Like people will drive multiple hours and pay money for a ticket to see a Potterless live show that is going to be recorded and put out on the internet for everyone to listen to. It's something that you don't have to do by any stretch of the means, and you're not going to be missing out on anything aside from the experience of being there and being in person because it's being recorded and will be distributed. But people still do it, and that just blows my mind. It is something I never could have predicted or imagined. It's something that even hoping that Potterless took off and got successful, that I, I just couldn't have predicted all of this and the joy that I get out of all of it. So just being able to meet people who listen to the show and talk about Harry Potter and talk about whatever it is, is just really great and fantastic. And oh gosh, it's just so good. Getting to meet all of you is the best. And I hope I can continue to do it. And I want to do as many live shows, conventions, whatever it may be, so I can meet as many of you as possible. Because it's really cool. It is really cool. And I appreciate all of you so very much. So that's the best part. Myron Speed asks, if you were making a basketball team of Harry Potter characters to, let's say, give the NBA players their power back and help LeBron James not be enslaved as an amusement park attraction on Moron Mountain, who would be your starting five and why? This is amazing on many levels. First, that it's an incredible question. Second, that it's an homage to Space Jam. And third, that it's written in a way that I would say something on Wingardium Adridosa. I love this. Thank you, Myron, so much. I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly. If it's Mirren, I apologize. So the starting five of the Harry Potter character basketball team, you gotta have Fred and George on there for sure. They're gonna be your two forwards. First off, because they're tall and athletic, but also they have a chemistry that is the perfect intangible. They are gonna know exactly what each other other is thinking and be in the perfect position and just play great offense and defense. Also, they're very funny, which means they're going to talk great trash. And that is a very important aspect of my team. Also going to have Harry Potter on the team just because that dude is so fucking lucky and shit always goes right for him that something's going to go right for our team. So Harry's on the team. Despite me not liking Harry that much, he's on the team. We need him. I'd also like to get Hagrid on the team. Uh, he's very large and in charge, and I think that he would be a very solid addition. I feel like Grob would be a bit too big and uncontrollable. Hagrid, I think, could be huge and still have his stuff together and be all right. Limiting it to five is so hard. But I think you got to have Dumbledore on the team, too. And I know it is hard to leave amazing people off like Ginny or McGonagall. But the main factor for choosing Dumbledore brings me back to the end of book five when he fights Voldemort. That dude is so calm and cool and collected and completely unfazed that putting him in a stressful basketball situation, I know I'm going to have someone that has ice in their veins and is clutch. And Dumbledore is going to be able to take the important shot and be totally chill with it. He's going to have that ice cold killer instinct to make the game winning shot when we need it, because obviously that's going to happen. He's not going to get rattled. He's not going to get phased. He's going to get the job done. So that's the starting five. Polly Burge asks, what was the moment you knew you liked the books? And there was a distinct moment for me. It was the Shrieking Shack chapter of book three. Book one was fine. Book two was fine. The beginning of book three was solid. But once you get to the Shrieking Shack, when you have all of these plot twists being revealed and more in-depth details about how everyone knows each other and the past relationships of Sirius and Snape and Lupin and James and all these other things and Peter Pettigrew all coming together at the same time, I just felt like there were so many reveals all at once. And I love suspense. I love plot twists, all that kind of stuff. So it kind of catered towards my interests as a consumer of entertainment, but just seeing how things can be deeper than just here's a kid that does magic and here's how he saves the day and really getting into those personal relationships, all of that happening in a really stressful, tense situation. That was the moment that I knew, oh, 
J.K. Rowling is very talented, and these are going to be a lot of fun. And then from that moment on, they were just incredible. So that was the key moment for me. Harlan Haskins asks, what is your favorite part of podcasting, and do you have podcasting aspirations outside of Potterless and Horse? So the favorite part goes to my previous answer about just getting to meet people, but something that is just really nice about podcasting itself versus the other forms of media that I used to be really into, YouTube and Vine, the fact that there is no video component is really nice in terms of the flexibility of recording. For example, I'm recording this right now in my hotel room in Portland as I'm here for the live show for Potterless and Horse. My microphone is on top of an upside-down trash can, and it is 1130 at night. These are the kind of things you can do with audio and not video. When I made YouTube videos, I would have to have perfect lighting or record during the day or have access to a window or make sure I recorded quickly all in the same setting so that the lighting didn't drastically change over the course of the video. So I like the flexibility that podcasting allows me to do so that I can do things on the go and focus more on actually creating stuff rather than making sure that all elements of my setup are 100% perfect. Also, I've had a really good voice ever since I was like 10, and I've had a bunch of people's parents tell me, oh, you have a voice for radio. It's like, I don't want to be a radio DJ. So the fact that I can do that is really nice. I've also been told that I have a face for radio, so this just works out really well. Another quick thing is that podcast listeners are generally very nice people, whereas people that leave YouTube comments, like, have you ever seen YouTube comments? That is the cesspool of the biggest dumpster fire on earth. It is much nicer to have people telling me, I love your show, rather than, your face looks dumb, kill yourself. Much, just a, just a nicer crowd around the podcasting world. As far as podcasting aspirations outside of Horse and Potterless, I do have some ideas. I've got some tricks up my sleeve, but I don't want to show the hand just yet. I will say that one involves me writing a script for something, which could be a really fun experience. Mia asks, what wizarding career would you pursue? I would either be a professional Quidditch player, a shopkeeper at Diagon Alley or Hogsmeade, or a teacher at Hogwarts, because it's the only way to not work for the Ministry of Magic and fuck that corrupt place so much. Friday's Fenzen asks, what Quidditch position would you have? I would probably be guy playing basketball instead. Friday also asks, where do you think Ludo Bagman is now? I think he is in the back of Voldemort's head calling all the shots. Kamail Doc asks, if you were a wizard podcaster in the Harry Potter world, what would your podcast be about? My podcast would just be horse, except geared more towards trying to convince wizards to watch, love, and play basketball in an effort to replace Quidditch with basketball as the official sport of Hogwarts. Nita Atabani asks, what's the difference between what you thought this podcast would be when you started versus what it ended up being now? The biggest difference is I thought I would keep the snarkier tone that I had through the episodes covering books one and two throughout the series. I did not expect to fall in love with the series as much as I did, but I'm very glad I did so because I think it makes the podcast far more enjoyable to listen to. And it's a fun journey to see me transition from doubting that I would like the series into falling in love with it. And I just think that's an extra fun bonus of Potterless. Also, I had no idea that it would be going for this long. When I first mapped it out, I thought that I was going to have maybe 35 episodes of Potterless total, I did not anticipate the final three books being so dense that I was not going to be able to cover more than two chapters at a time for the entirety of six and seven. And finally, we're going to round it out with a great question from Kumail Doc, who asks, what's your favorite type of food? And man, it is so hard to choose, but I think I'm going to go with Japanese food so that I can claim sushi, ramen, and udon, and everything else that you can get at a Japanese restaurant, because I don't think anyone has ever said, hey, Mike, do you want to get sushi? And I have not said yes. It's always exactly what I'm looking for. Even when I'm not craving it, once someone suggests it, I instantly do crave it, and then I want it. So it is very hard to select just one, but I think I'm going to go with that. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Potterless. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A session. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they put their trash can back at the way it's supposed to be after recording a Q&A session in a hotel room by themselves, a wizard on! If you've been unable to attend a Potterless live event and you want to hear more stuff like that, they are all up as bonus episodes at Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Potterless, you can hear some of those fun little things from live shows, conventions, and more. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Sadie Baird, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klaus Roku, Alex Stark, Rebecca Adamick, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfeliu, Jenna Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Caitlin Jordan, Pontolo, Rosemary Dodge, Jill 
Boulay, Marie Lisa Sikin, Ariel Berg, Romina Riva De Nira, Kumail Doc, Anthony Bonriga, Russell Dunk, Dustin Bolin Cooch, Katie Rogers, Audra, Indiana Mercer, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Ross Ann Batamana, Micah Cole, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Colette Smith, Shrina Unatcat, Lala Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Love Cash Longer, Ali Madsen, Cassandra Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Emilia Krauss, Sean Montag, Jeremiah E. Hurt, Sarah Nick, Jesus J. Morales, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Jessica Ann, Arnica the Daughter, Brandy Baldonado, Melody McInnes, Kristen Chavez, Zach Ross Klein, Elisa Figueroa, Diego Costa, Daisy Carton, Stutter, Jessica Jacob, Orca Grower, Jonathan Foy, Joe Harrison, Steve Trelore, Vivian the Owl, Samuel Minor, Victoria Renee, Takaria Ront, Darlene Ruiz, Drake Perez, James Step, Haley Hastings, Marino, Moster, Pinky Pan, Hannah Shepard, Angelina Withred, Ross Marie Heisen, Peter Bemis, Maria Vega, Phineas Ebner, Natalie Lozano, Victoria Julian, Lee Ganji Singh, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Cecily Toggle, Finn Stuckey, Mosin Siddiqui, Grace Riggle, Sammy Curti, Raul Pineda, Inga Nodstadter, Mari Wynn, Brian Wingate, Heidi Stoll, Alexander Consover, John Kotker, Jenna Jew, Sefren Baez, Dusty Nickram, Noel Basilei, Tao, Hala O'Keefe, Emily Tyrell, Michael Russell, Robin Fernandez, Patricia Colon, Aaron Rapp, Will Barrington, Neil Fournier, Liz Bigelow, Silje Brunstever, Monsini, Desiree Koff, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Donovan, Alleycat29, William Byford, Hallie Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Everly Kindred, Kevin Harnoy, Lada B, Noah, Tracy Toya, Lucinda, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Nikki Amio, Shamil Faisal, Colleen King, Jennifer Marklow, Friday J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullifan, Kerry D. Bagason, Andrea Croc, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campomanis. You can find us on social media at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, and Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. You can find all information about the show at PotterlessPodcast.com, and bonus content lives at Patreon.com slash Potterless. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on! <laughs>